Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw. First and two. Leaps his tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Rajah Bell. It is a Thursday, which is rare for us. Usually we're Monday, Wednesday, Friday. This week a little bit funky. I had to do some stuff for CBS. Was up in Sea Island, Georgia, doing a little golf shoot with Davis Love the Third. That was a ton of fun. Must be nice, but, bro. Yeah, it was. <laughs> nice. It was a rough work day out in the golf course yesterday <laughs> for a few hours. You know, it was 78. It was a little bit too warm, yeah, but right. somehow I survived. Uh, but yeah, so we're a little funky this week. Just two episodes. We're going to bust this one out today. We'll be back uh, Monday with our regular schedule next week. Uh, but we got a huge show for you. I'm up in New York City. Not going to phase us. We're still going to lay one down. We got some NHL trade deadline analysis, which I can't wait to hear Raja's thoughts on that. Like some big moves really? in the NHL we're expecting. Oh. He's got some really good thoughts. I've been nice. listening. He won't stop talking about the NHL not. all morning. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear it. We got some college hoops we got to discuss. We're getting closer to March Madness. And if you want inside intel on Steve Nash and his next career, we've got the guy. Because, Raja, that's your boy. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. Right. And as always, we'll have our five-star Q&A because it is Friday. we got some fun questions. But the NBA is back. Second half of the season kicks off. So we're going to do take it or leave it on the NBA returning after the All-Star break. So first up, Raja, this has been a story that we've talked about a little bit on here, but the Spurs and Kawhi Leonard have a very awkward relationship going on right now. He's been injured. There's been a lot of conversation. Should he play again this season? Here's Greg Popovich, head coach for the Spurs, talking about Kawhi's injury status. I'll be surprised if he returns this season. Well, we, you know, we only have X number of games left this season, and uh, he's still not ready to go. And um, if by some chance he is, it's going to be pretty late into the season and it's going to be a tough decision, uh, you know, how late you bring somebody back. So I, I, that's why I'm just trying to be honest and logical. Uh, I'll be surprised if he gets back this year. Wow. So those are pretty those are pretty shocking com- comments coming from Pop. There's been a lot of drama playing out with this right quad injury. Kawhi was actually in uh, New York for 10 days before the All-Star break consulting with specialists. It's concerning. So, Raja, take it or leave it. The drama between the Spurs and Kawhi Leonard will intensify, and Kawhi won't be in San Antonio to start the 2018-2019 season. Take it or leave it. Uh, I'd like to take it because I do believe that the drama is very real um, and that this is bigger than just a quad injury at this point. But I'm going to leave it because the Spurs are a first-class organization. They're not in the habit of giving away – pieces like Kawhi Leonard or LaMarcus Aldridge for that matter. Like LaMarcus all but said he wanted to be traded last offseason, and they figured out how to make that work. They're a room full of adults um, that want to win championships, not to mention that they know firsthand how hard it is to get premium free agents to come there. So you, d- you don't just give up the best two-way player in the game possibly that you have under control for the next, I don't know, what is it, three or four years? You don't just – oh, well, just one year? My bad. Uh, so in that case – Maybe, but I just don't, they don't seem like that type of organization. They seem like the type that tries to work it out. Having said that, this is kind of unprecedented for them. Like they, they, they've got a guy who has been cleared to play and is choosing not to play. Um, that speaks of like dysfunction and a real rift between 
player organization, players camp organization, and that's messy, and that's a foreign thing for the Spurs. So um, this one's gonna get this one's gonna get interesting. But what I, what I do know is that if he chooses to come back now, like Greg Popovich saying he doesn't know if he'll play him because there's only 23 games left, and that might not be enough time. That's not happening. If Kawhi's ready to play, they're bringing him back into the fold. They're going to try to be at their best uh, going down the stretch. But this is getting ugly in San Antonio. It's way bigger than an injury. This is a player choosing not to play um, for one reason or another. I don't know what the motive is. But once he's been cleared and he's making a decision not to play, it's a problem. I totally, I, I think he might be gone because of a couple things. One, and I was, this was surprising to me, the fact that there was any drama coming out of this locker room because they've always kind of bought into Popovich style. They've been very kind of close guarded. They don't let stuff like this happen very long. If Kawhi's a bad fit with their culture in the locker room, I think they'll bounce him. I think they'll try to get something for him. They'll try to move him. And I think Kawhi would be happy with that. Uh, so I think he might be moving on. I, I think it's just one of those ones where, hey, maybe it's just not a good fit and you've got to do something before he comes a free agent at the end of next season, uh, or else you're going to be stuck with nothing after a while. So I, and I, do you think so? How concerning would you, or how concerned are you about the quad injury itself? Like that he's the same player, uh, where he's one of the best defensive players and vying for MVP of the league. How concerned are you with the quad injury itself? I mean, I don't know exactly what the injury was, but I've had, you know, pulled, how much can really go wrong with your quad? I guess is the question. Did he, you know, did he have some kind of, uh, what do they call them? Like evulsion, like fractures where it, where it tears bone away from them, from, from the muscle rips and it tears bone off a bone like if it's something like that I would worry but I haven't heard anything to the like of that so I'm not that concerned about him being able to come back and regain his form and and find his rhythm like 23 games might not be enough time to do it in but like as a player and for his career I think he'll return to form it at some point I don't don't think it's that kind of injury which is which makes it even more of a fascinating situation there in um in 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 San Antonio it says that he has been medically cleared to return from a right quad tendinopathy injury which i have i have no idea what that is uh it sounds a little more a little more serious than a than a pulled or torn quad but i think he'll be fine danny i just don't know that uh you know if i'm san antonio i he can opt out after next season so their history says in it that that they try to work that out with him and if they can't maybe there's a deal that winds up being done for him next year the problem is wherever he's going like, I don't know what you get in return because you do only control him for one year. Like, my original thought mm-hmm. was that if you controlled him for three years, A, San Antonio would keep him, but B, you could get more for him because wherever you sent him, you'd be under, you know, he'd be under their control, but he, he can opt out. That's a dicey situation for anybody. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, let's move on to the Cavs. And I'm surprised we didn't leave with the Cavs because that's the team everybody's watching there because LeBron's on the squad and because it's really the Cavs 2.0 with this new-look team, the totally revamped uh, roster that they come out with. So take it or leave it, Raja. The Cavs will jump the Celtics for the second seed in the Eastern Conference, but they'll finish behind the Raptors. Take it or leave it. I'll take it. I'll take it. I believe that um, look, they're, they're 2-0, obviously, with the new additions. I think they're 3-0 and overall going into the break, the Cavs, that is. Um, they've been decent offensively. They're fifth in the league defensively. They've been abysmal defensively. I, I think that the new pieces, like, they're 28th in the league. It's not going to get them to middle of the pack by the time the season's over. You've, you've played too many games. But they will be trending defensively with the youth, the length, the energy, the athleticism. Um, you know, not to mention that they've got the six easiest strength of schedule remaining. Uh, I, I think that 
that gets them past the Celtics. The Celtics struggle to score the ball, and it's a great story. I love that Coach uh, Coach Stevens gets those guys to buy in. They play defense. They play for each other. But at the end of the day in the NBA, you've got to be able to consistently score the ball, and they don't have that many pieces in the absence of Gordon Hayward to do that consistently. Um, it's going to be hard for Kyrie down the stretch. As every game mounts, as you get more and more tired, it becomes harder and harder to carry a team. So I see them leapfrogging Boston, but they're not going to catch Toronto in the East. I'm bummed. I've wanted the Celtics to kind of rise to the occasion for the last couple of years, and they're a train wreck right now. They lost 9-15 of heading into the All-Star break, really struggling on the offensive side of the basketball. And I, I, I keep looking at them, waiting for them to break out. I know they had the injury to Gordon Hayward, but they just feel like they're still another season away. And I'm with you. I think Toronto's really got things going. But I don't have any confidence in them in the Eastern Conference Finals uh, to get past Cleveland. So, like, my my confidence level in the Cavs is skyrocketed back to them making the finals to, like, an eight or a nine. Are you that? Are you with me on that for the Cavs making the finals? Yeah, for sure, for sure. With the, yeah. with the, with the energy change um, alone, uh, I, I would say that my confidence was renewed in the Cavs. Uh, the fact that you brought in some pieces I think that fit better uh, and that could play off of LeBron better just solidifies my my belief. I, I'm with you. Like I like Toronto. I like what they do as well. Um, and I don't think I think the Cavs have dug a deep enough hole where they can't get out of it. But when you put them in a in a seven game series, like I, I've told you before, I've said it on the pod. Like I'm not betting against LeBron in a seven game series. Uh, and, right. and and they've done that before with Toronto, and they usually come out on top. So I, I do have Cleveland coming out of the East. All right, let's move out west. The Warriors, take it or leave it. The Warriors will add an added focus and attention to detail because they've said they've admitted they've been bored while finishing at least three games above the Rockets in the West. Take it or leave it? Leave it. Um, I, I think the Warriors will finish with a better record than the Rockets. And I, I didn't say that a week ago. I was singing a different tune. But when you look at the strength of schedule, like Debo's prepared all this great data for us, and the Warriors have the, the third easiest strength of schedule going forward. The Rockets have the 12th hardest strength of schedule going forward. I think there's something to that. I think the Warriors will be better. Look, they've averaged 69 wins a year over the last three years. It's a lot of basketball. They played into June every year. Those guys are tired, like, physically, mentally, emotionally. I do think that the break, and Steve Kerr kind of alluded to them needing that break as bad as any team he's ever been around, I think that's going to help. I don't know that you see them come out and, and like, start trending towards not losing any more games and going, what, I don't know, 20 22-1 and one for the rest of the season. But they will be a, a renewed focus type of team. And because of strength of schedule, uh, they'll get the number one seed in the West. But they're not going to be three games uh, above the Rockets at the end of the day. Yeah, you forget. I think we often forget how much longer teams that make the finals play, the teams that are bouncing the first round of the playoff, or you know, their season ends so much longer. It's a wear. It's a grind on your body and – Mentally, like that's a that's a really long grind. I think that's why what Steve Kerr is referring it's almost to. Almost two months, but man. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge stress uh, for them. But <laughs> I, I, I don't think they care. I think I think they're just like get us to the playoffs, just get us in. But I, there's probably I think they probably will get the number one seed. So I'll t- I'll take that one. All right, let's move to uh, Detroit. Take it or leave it. Even with the addition of Blake Griffin, the Pistons will miss the playoffs. Take it or leave it. Oh, that's the toughest question yet. Um, <laughs> know, it, right? it really, it really is because like Blake hasn't really hit his stride there with the Clippers yet. I think, you know, all numbers are slightly down just a little bit, but I think as he continues to play in that offense with him and Drummond in the front court, uh, they've got some, some nice pieces around them. I, I think that they should get in. The problem is 
the teams that they're looking at up at, like the Heat, um, the Sixers, the Heat are, are traditionally, like they'll figure it out. I think Hassan Whiteside will have a better second half or last third of the season. The addition of D. Wade helps. Um, I think they got some guys coming back that are getting healthy. I think the Sixers will play well. They'll be young and hungry down the stretch. I think they'll play well down the stretch. So the teams, like uh, Milwaukee, same thing. I think the teams that they're looking up at aren't going to take their foot off the pedal. So um, I, I, I could take this. I could take it. Nice. All right. What about the Thunder? Take it or leave it. The Thunder are more likely to finish as the eighth seed or out of the playoffs as they are to, or as they are to climb into the top four of the West. Take it or leave it. I'm going to leave it. I, I think the Thunder make a climb. I think that, I think that the Thunder climb up to a top four seed in the West. Um, Paul George, Westbrook, A and B. I think Carmelo figures out how to be a spot-up shooter. He's been tinkering with it all year. He kind of goes in and out of whether he accepts that role, and you see it kind of play out on the court whether they win or lose. Um, I think they'll figure some things out defensively, and I'm going to take it. I think they're hungry. I think they're, I think that they will wind up being a top-four seed in the West. I love it, too, because I, I love uh, Russell Westbrook as the alpha dog, kind of grinding those guys, getting after them, and I think they're hungry, too, which I think really will matter in the second half of this season. All right, let's get to here's what's happening with Hannah. All right, guys, during the All-Star Weekend, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver tossed around the idea of eventually restructuring and reseeding the postseason, slotting teams 1-16 to without regard to conference affiliation. The league's biggest superstar, LeBron James, not too keen on the proposal. Here's what he had to say. I think our league has been built um, the right way as far as when it comes to the postseason. Um, there's, there's, there's been dominant um, conferences throughout throughout time it's cool to mess around with an all-star game you know we can and we prove that you could do that but let's let's not let's not get too crazy about the about the playoffs i i I agree in in one like i think it's cyclical i think we've seen dominance from a conference before and it's worked out the playoffs have always been great people tune in for them um lebron's got personal agenda there obviously like lebron's in the (laughs) mode of he he doesn't he doesn't feel like he needs to play for the number one seed because if he just gets into the playoffs, he can work his show. And that attitude would have drawn him like Golden State in the semifinals versus Golden State in the finals. And that's that's a huge difference, right? Like essentially you're losing in the Western or Eastern Conference finals as opposed to getting to play in the NBA finals. So the way he and his teams approach um, the seasons now, they'd have to pay a heavy price for that. They wouldn't be finalists in the NBA. So there's a personal agenda, but I kind of agree with him. Real quick, I just want to add some real quick. So Adam Silver, I think what he's doing is genius because I don't think he wants to do this, but I think he's getting out ahead of if LeBron went to the Western Conference, the NBA would be screwed. So I think that worst case scenario, if LeBron went to the Lakers, I think you'd see the reseeding because the finals are entertaining as long as LeBron's in them. But if he's not in there, it would be a disaster for the NBA. So I think this is Adam Silver actually getting out in front of that. On to the Olympics. So if you were sleeping, which you probably were, the United States women's hockey team is bringing home the gold. This is the first Olympic gold medal in women's hockey since 1998, all following a thrilling 3-2 to two shootout victory over Canada in the wee hours of the night. This was the best part. Must beat Rooney to keep Canada's hopes alive. She's stopped! The United States wins gold in Pyeongchang! That was USA goalie Maddie Rooney sealing the victory with a shootout stop in the sixth round, avenging some tough losses to the Canadians in previous games. 
I love it. I was the only thing I'm bummed about is that I wasn't at home to watch it with my daughters. That would have been a really cool sporting event to see to, you know, the USA in one of the most exciting um, shootout. Like I love the shootout in soccer. I love it in hockey. I think it's the most pressure packed, fun, exciting environment. And I'm all, that's the only thing I'm bummed about is I didn't get to watch it with my daughters, but congrats to USA. Went to hockey. Hockey it's okay. It was probably past their bedtime anyways, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was. <laughs> probably worked out. <laughs> all right. Last, but definitely not least approaching the madness. Top five teams all in action on Wednesday, all winning by double digits. Oklahoma State upsets number six, Texas Tech, 79 to 71, while the Tar Heels win their sixth straight. This is so upsetting to me. 78 to 74 <laughs> over Syracuse. Now UNC aiming for a third straight title appearance, something that hasn't been accomplished since 1998. But Syracuse put in a good effort, guys. They tied the game with two minutes left and hats off to them for just a second. Yeah, it was exciting. <laughs> that was an exciting game. Like the boy, my boys came home from basketball practice and we watch it while we ate um the acc is loaded as always but i've talked about it a lot like there's a lot of parody over the landscape of of college basketball this year it should be a really exciting tournament what it says to me though is i really and we talked about it before we came on mm-hmm. i really have to do some homework before I know, the, for the I tournament because there are a lot of these teams that i just don't like i didn't know about oklahoma state so i gotta really bone up before i can actually give an expert opinion on some of this stuff all right, let's do some college hoops then. We're going to do in or out, but it's not what you're thinking because I could care less about the last four and all those conversations with the bracketology. I like the Blue Bloods. I like to talk about the teams that I do know about, Raza, like you're referring to. Right. <laughs> so that, that's been really – like I've talked about this a lot uh, on my radio show is because normally in college basketball you do see a Blue Blood, like a traditional powerhouse. Usually every year you see one of them, a Kansas, Duke, Carolina – um, one of those types of programs end up winning it all. Right. So are you in or out on one of the top two betting favorites who right now are Duke at plus 450 and Michigan State plus 450? Are you in or out that they one of those two will go on to win the title? In or out? Uh, in or out. I'm going to say out. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm going to say out. I mean, I do believe that one of your blue blood programs probably winds up winning it again, but I don't know that it's necessarily one of those two. Duke has been up and down. Um, you know, in the absence of Marvin Bagley Jr., like they've hit their stride. Uh, Grayson Allen is playing great again. Like, I don't know what he's averaging. I think, like, he's averaging 14 a game with Marvin Bagley Jr. there. And then, you know, I want to say he's averaging in the 20s without him there. And I think it speaks to, you know, a freshman can be really good, but when you've got a good senior, you want it to be his team. You want him to be leading the charge. Um, but the fact that they'll probably reintroduce Marvin Bagley Jr., I think they'll probably hit a, a little 26 in a 26.5 since he's been out. Like, Grayson Allen can play. Like, he's had his issues, but he can play. If it were just his team and you weren't bringing back Marvin Bagley Jr., I'd say, yeah, they're consistent. But because they're so inconsistent, um, I don't know. And Jaron Jackson is a great story. So is Miles Bridges, but they're babies too. So, I'll take the field. Like, I think that they'll probably both be there at the end, but I'll take the field. They're tempting because the value you get at plus 450 for either one of these, but you're spot on. It is a crazier in college basketball. I would absolutely take the field. Now, if you gave me, like, a group of six or eight Blue Bloods and you threw in Kansas, if you threw in North Carolina, if you threw right. in, you know, another a couple other teams, and I got six Blue Bloods, maybe, maybe I would take them. But this year, more than any, does feel like one of these outsiders could finally do it. All right, speaking of those outsider programs who really been, you know, this is a team that's actually been playing really good as of late. Virginia, are you in and out, or in or out, that their style of play, because, man, is it boring to watch, all defense, 
Their style of play is finally ready to make some serious in the noise in the tournament. In or out? Say out. Four oh, and two. Number one in the country. Go ahead. What do you got? I'm going to say that I'm in. Oh. I'm going to say that I'm in, and I'll tell you why. I think that – well, it depends on the draw because against freshmen, against sophomores, um, that style of play can be really productive because a lot of times those guys aren't seasoned enough to crack the defensive code. Um, if you draw one of these blue bloods that have a bunch of seniors, which nobody does now, I think that style of play uh, could be diced up. You can't score enough points to beat them. I don't think they win a championship because at the end of the day, going through the tournament the way it is, you're going to find a team and you're going to come across a hot team. If you can't produce points, you're going to be in trouble. So I don't know that they win a championship, but I do think that this is the year uh, at 24 and 2, 13 and 1 in a very, very good ACC that they make some noise in the, t- in the tournament. Yeah, I think that could be a Final Four team, but I'm with you. I think ultimately you got to make buckets at some point. And as you know, as, as you can try to bore teams to death and really test the patience of younger players, I think it'll end up catching up to them uh, later in the tournament. All right, speaking of Blue Bloods, and I was just saying, hey, give me a group of six or group of eight teams. Should Villanova be recognized as a basketball powerhouse alongside those other teams we mentioned? Are you in or out on that? Out. sorry there you have it um i'm gonna say in i mean villanova has had look i guess they're tiers of blue bloods right so yeah right Uh, if we tier it then i'll say that they're in they're not a unc they're not a duke um they're not a kentucky or a kansas but they're a tier like 1b they're they're right behind them they they've i mean what the past five seasons are 154 and 20. They got an 89% like, like winning percentage. Um, Duke's got 79 over the span. Uh, UNC is 76 over the span. Kansas 80, Kentucky 80. So they're like, they're at minimum nine percentage points better than all of those blue bloods. Having said that, if you go further than five years back, they kind of fall off a little bit. So I think they're trending. They're, they're becoming that type of program. If they have another five years, you start putting decades together of success, maybe not to the tune of 89% uh, winning percentage, but if you put nine, 10 years where you're in the national title conversation, then I'm really, I'm ready to put you in like the, the 1A tier, but right now they're 1B for me. So I think you should look at it like there are millennial blue bloods, like teams yeah. that are younger and more new to success. And I would put Villanova in that category because of those stats you referenced. I would also put Michigan State in that category. Like they're a team that recently with mm-hmm. Tom Izzo, has had a ton of success recently, but traditionally over the past 50 to 75 years, not as much as the Duke, Kansas, Kentucky type teams. So I would put them, I think, I think there's a new category. You call it like the, the millennial blue bloods. And I would absolutely put Villanova in that one. All right. So the, the tournament and bracketology and all that stuff was not the only college hoop story of the past, you know, few days. Louisville back in the news again, not for any more trouble, but just kind of their past catching up to them as their national title was officially vacated uh, by the NCAA, who denied their appeal uh, into the escort scandal uh, investigation. So they lose recognition of their 2013 national championship. They took away the banner. Does this matter a lot, a little, or does not matter at all? Uh, for, I mean, I guess it's where, where, like who you are. It doesn't matter at all to me. Like, it probably doesn't matter to those guys that won the national championship, like the the kid, uh, what was the kid's name that, that tweeted, uh, Kevin Ware? Kevin Ware. Matt, by yeah. the way, that was just a gruesome, that was a gruesome injury. Yes. Um, I saw him play. He transferred after that and he wound uh-huh. up playing at Georgia State 
and I, I went, I was with the Cavs and my job was to go down there and scout RJ Hunter, who was also with, with Georgia State and in the, in their conference championship. And he was there and he was like a shell of himself. That was just gruesome. But like he tweeted that he still has his fat A ring, right? Like that's the point. Yeah. You're not taking that away. You can, you can take away the banner or rewrite the history book, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take away anything that those kids did all year. And I like, Real talk, like why would you take that away? Those kids poured their their blood, sweat, and tears into a season and achieved like the ultimate goal in that sport, which was winning a championship. To strip them of it, I just don't know that that's that's the right way to go about it. It doesn't really matter though, because they did it. They have the right. they have the hardware, they have all the emotions, they have the memories, and ultimately you can't take those away. But Louisville, like, is just a mess of a of a of a place right now in terms of. You know, the stuff that's going on there. And this isn't even talking about this is, this is independent of the FBI investigation that just got all the coaches in trouble and the, and the players suspended and, and Rick Patino fired. This is, this is for, you know, past transgressions, correct? Yeah. Yeah. That's so a, this, they're a mess. Yeah. It is. So this is unprecedented as far as a team vacating a title. It's the first time a division one team has ever done it, but I'm with you. I don't think it matters at all. Like I wish Kevin Ware would have said, and still, I still have this. Uh, you know, big bleeping ring. I wish he was that I still have this big bleeping scar. Yeah, the right. Tournament that year because of that injury that you talked about. I do feel like the NCAA just they constantly get it wrong. Like it's not going to. So the idea of punishment, I feel like if you're punishing somebody, it's to curb their behavior or to change it so that it doesn't happen again. Right. And I don't know if vacating championships does that. Now, if you find the school heavily, I think that would. That would send a pretty strong message because I think that's what would hurt the program. But I also don't like punishing kids and student athletes who weren't even on that team. So I don't like suspending the program or keeping them out of the tournament. So it's really tough. I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough role to be in as the NCAA to try to police the, you know, college basketball as it sort of has spun out of control. So I don't know what the right answer is, but I think, you know, vacating a title, making them take down a banner, it's all like, kind of stupid. But who, like, I think everybody realizes Who that. did they beat in the championship that year? Do you do – Michigan. They, they, <laughs> like, they beat Michigan. Yeah. So, like, yeah. do you go – does Michigan now – do they get, do they get right. a banner? Do, do those kids – Do they get rings? Do the kids want the rings? Right. Would you? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want, want that it. ring. Like, I'd be like, I, no, it's ridiculous. I think it's silly. No. I'd be like the uh, the women's hockey player from uh, Canada who took off the silver medal right after they won. Oh. She didn't want any part of that silver. She only wanted gold. That's what I would have been as a Michigan player. <laughs> All right. There was a lot in the sports world going on. So we're going to go back to Hannah. So uh, what's happening, Hannah? All right, guys. Drew Brees is set to become a free agent in March, but he might not be on the market very long. Reports are claiming that Brees and his reps are scheduled to meet with the Saints at next week's Combine to figure out a short-term deal. He's back. It's just a matter of what they're going to formulate the, the contract and make it so it's cap friendly and do as anything. New, uh, Drew Brees is a New Orleans Saint for life. Like the, what he's brought to that community, the way they embraced him after Hurricane Katrina, getting them the Super Bowl. It's just a matter of time. It's going to be a boatload of money, but he'll be on the Saints. No surprise. And here comes the Tiger talk, guys. He's back for his second straight week of competitive play, already teeing off in the Honda Classic after missing the cut in last week's Genesis Open. Now it's the first time he has played back-to-back since 2015. And at 9.30 Thursday morning, first place, minus two through six right now. Um, Jupiter's finest. 
Stop. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't, I couldn't help it. Um, no, uh, uh, for a lot of reasons, important to Tiger, right? He's trying to see if he can come back and play competitive golf. And part of that is being able to do it week after week, right? Like not playing one week, taking three weeks. You know, you've got to, you've got to put together a schedule, um, that allows you to get in, into shape. Secondly, obviously he's got to figure some things out on the course. The driver's been a big, a big issue for him. Uh, PGA Nationals is interesting. It's an interesting layout for him, Danny, because there's so much water. I mean, you've played it. I was talking to, I was talking to one of our bosses here, Kieran Portley, about it. it. It's a tough course, and I think he'll put that driver away a little bit. He'll have to hit some three woods, some irons, maybe get him in more of a rhythm. Have to think the course a little bit more instead of just swinging away. Um, and because it's right here in his backyard, I think he's comfortable. And this is the best place for him to come out, try to go back to back. I'm excited to see him two under through six. You know what the Honda Classic the- means? Traffic. What? It's like the worst traffic. That's all it is. And Jupiter's finest. No thank you, Raja. <laughs> Keep the driver out of his hand. It'll be all right. right. <laughs> all right. And lastly for you today, Mavericks owner Mark Cuban set back another $600,000 after the NBA issued a fine for Cuban saying the Mavs should tank on the podcast House Call with Dr. J. Cuban said, quote, look, losing is our best option. Adam Silver deemed those comments detrimental to the league. Dallas is sitting with the third worst record in the league. So I hate the tanking conversation because as a competitor, I never would have imagined like not having any chance to win, even though I was on some bad teams where Mm -hmm. we weren't very good. Like I was on the Falcons. We were four and 12 and a lot of guys started showing up for paychecks and you could tell the guys had kind of hung up on the season But when you were out in the field, like guys were still trying to win, but it is a really complicated discussion because I get from an owner's perspective that if you want to get your franchise back to competitive where you can compete for championships, I get the importance of getting one of those lottery picks. So it's just, it's a really awkward dynamic. And I think Adam Silver, like, I think it's a problem because I think it really, it's detrimental to the the league and the, the view, like, the perception of the NBA, but I don't know what the solution is. I think it's rude. <laughs> yeah. Right? Shouldn't you just not talk about it? Yeah. I mean, look, everyone knows. I've been on teams. Everybody's been on a team if you played in the NBA where, well, not everybody, but it happens where <laughs> the season, like at some point you, you determine from a, from an ownership perspective and from a management perspective that, that it's better to go with the young guys and give them a chance to develop. And essentially, once you say that, you, you've given up hope on the season, right? And and you don't have to spin that as tanking. I think it's all the spin that you put on it. Like, you don't have to say that we're we're tanking to get a pick. You simply say, look, guys, we're in a really bad spot. We're not making the playoffs. And instead of riding it out with some of these older guys that are enough, like they're just enough to go 500, we're going to put in some of these younger guys who are probably good enough to go, you know, 250 winning percentage, and we're going to get them the experience and, and, and so on and so forth. And And that is okay. We've all had that conversation with – with a general manager or a head coach, hey, look, we're going to go young, like we're in a spot. Fine, it happens. Uh, but don't come out and say, like, rub everybody's nose in, in the fact that you are going to tank and try to get a number one pick. I just think, you know, that's where Cuban went wrong. I don't have a problem with him saying, we're, we're, we're look, the best thing for our franchise right now is to go young, get the experience. Um, in the process, we're not going to have a chance to really win games and we'll wind up getting a, a high lottery pick. That's fine by me. So you're okay with it. You're okay with the philosophy of tanking if you have no chance. No, not, not tanking, but at some point, like it's your, it's your responsibility as a franchise and the guys that are running the franchise to develop talent. And if in the process of developing that talent, um, 
at some point in the season you've decided that there's really no shot of you making the playoffs. And so we're going to shut down the older guys um, to some degree because they don't have anybody on that team that would really – look, you're talking about Wesley Matthews, Harrison Barnes, and Dirk Nowitzki. And Dirk is way past his prime. So you're essentially talking about Harrison Barnes and Wesley Matthews. Neither one of them good enough to carry you anywhere. So if you're going to plug in a bunch of young guys around them and continue to let Wesley and Harrison kind of do their things, Dennis Smith Jr. continue to develop, play some of your younger kids, and in the process you're going to be a bad basketball team, it's fine. I have no problem with that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Sixers, who notoriously did it with Sam Hinkie, how it plays out. Because now they've got a a lot of young talent because – of their philosophy, but the thing that's kind of ironic about it is I don't think that ownership realized how long it would take because it is going to take a while. It is a process, as Joel Embiid, you know, his nickname attests to. Yeah, so but, it'll be interesting to see well, if it plays out long term, like if Sam Hinkie looked like the evil genius that was actually right about all this. Well, what the, the jury's still out because right now they're fighting right. for their lives in the playoffs. Like Minnesota, Minnesota hit two home runs. Like you got Carl Anthony Towns and you were able to extract, um, um, Andrew Wiggins uh, for Kevin Love in a deal. Like, those are two of the be- – if you could say, hey, look, we're going to get these two kids in within two years, three years of each other, I mean, people would be salivating over that. And they weren't winning anything until they got Jimmy Butler. Like, they weren't. They weren't in the playoffs. And so the Sixers are in the same situation. And, and you know, it begs the question, is tanking is tanking the way to it, or is it actually getting the free agents to come play for you? You need veterans in the NBA. So you can get all the babies that you want with all the talent in the world. They're not ready to win for four or five years until these guys have developed. They've got seasoned. Most of them are coming in at 17, 18 years old now. So they're just not ready to win. They're playing against grown men. So, I, you know, it begs the question, at least, you know, in my mind, whether the tanking philosophy is even valid. Yep. All right. Let's have some fun. Let's do some topics. It's uh, it's Thursday, but normally on Friday we do our five-star Q&A. We're going to get to that in a minute. Let's do some topics first. What you got for us, Debo? All right. So some former Mavericks and former Phoenix Suns taking over the broadcast industry. We got <laughs> Raja Bell, and now we have <laughs> Steve Nash. So Turner, Turner Sports hiring the two-time NBA MVP to broadcast not basketball, but soccer. Nash will be a studio analyst for the UEFA Champions League coverage, no doubt he'll be great. He'll be great. He'll be good. He'll be, he'll be great. He, um, nobody loves soccer like Steve. Like, I, I question whether he loves soccer more than basketball. Like, he really, really, he's really, no, he's really into it. I mean, obviously he loved basketball, but dad was a professional player, brother, a professional player. He's got, he's got stakes in multiple, um, multiple soccer franchises, the Whitecaps, I think, and Mallorca and Spain. And, you know, I see he, I'll call him sometimes or text him and he's in Spain with, with his team. And so, it's his passion, and if it's your passion, you can be good at it. He'll he'll be dope. Yeah, I think it's similar to Tony Romo. Like, I think Romo would actually be a really good golf broadcaster because he's passionate about the game of golf. Right. And I think I think if you're passionate about something and you're relatively knowledgeable, which Steve Nash is about soccer because he has devoted so much of his time and energy toward it, I think it'll be fantastic. So I can't wait to hear it. Although I'm not a huge soccer guy, so I don't I, know how much I'll be watching. I, I did text him, and I was like, I was like. WTF, man, what do you know about calling a soccer game? And he was, he was like cracking up. He was like nothing. But anyway, he, I mean, it's, you know, for players, you know this, Danny, like when, when you get done playing, you know, you're so used to trying to achieve and trying to be good at stuff that you try to find different things to be good at, you know? And so, mm-hmm. um, they tend to be the things that you're passionate about. So if, no doubt, if, if Steve can talk soccer, that means you can be a baseball broadcaster. I was oh, just going to make Listen, that same joke. They I'm throw. So <laughs> mad. 
Not not just baseball, but I could break down like curveballs and breaking balls. Like, they're the, are they the same thing? Shohei Otani, like, what do you think of his spring so far? Great screwball on that guy. <laughs> so this this seems I like a breaking down. Is there a screwball? No, there's not a screwball. What do they call it? It's like a uh, uh, look. I got a lot of flag. I I like baseball. I do. I just don't watch baseball on a day to day. I watch baseball in the playoffs. Like we make we make a joke of it. Like I play little league baseball. I like baseball. I think we um, should become Yankees fans together because I'm over the Marlins. It. Really? I'm I'm a Cubs I don't know fan. what to do with them anymore. I used oh, to I go to Wrigley with my dad when I was younger. Like I like baseball. I make jokes about it, but like playoff baseball comes around. Tune in, boy. I got your an- analysis. In playoff baseball. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah. this kind of seems like a rule, a Raja rule that he might come up with. So this comes out yesterday that an MLB executive tells Rich Eisen about a rule proposal that would allow any batter, no matter where they were in the lineup, to come up to bat in the ninth inning if a team was trailing. So if you're watching the Yankees oh my and it's down in the order, Giancarlo Stanton would be allowed to come up to bat if the team is trailing. I mean, it's it's definitely out there. Um, I'm already I, I watching. <laughs> I don't know that that would like bring me back to regular season baseball. That's a lot of games. But it is interesting, and I think – Don't you love day baseball, though? I mean, that's like the best thing to happen to anyone in the summer. Day baseball? Yeah, yeah I like, like to take my kids the, down to Marlins Stadium yeah, and go like see Yeah, during the day, like a Tuesday – Early afternoon, you yeah. get to watch baseball. That's great. Yeah. Well, good for you. I love it. I love it. Sorry. This rule is as stupid as it gets. Like you can't. You like it will never fly. It would never fly. Boo. I don't think it would work. Traditional it's baseball. It's never gonna happen. Tradition. So what happens? Let's say there's an end of game situation yeah. in in the NBA, and let's say Le, uh, let's say LeBron is driving to the hoop and he doesn't like it shooting free throws. He gets fouled. And so you could swap out and put your best free throw shooter on the line to win the game. Well, look, right. if the NBA right. was if the NBA was hemorrhaging fans, then maybe they need to do it. But they're not. Does What's the, the football equivalent? Does sorry, does the MLB need this though? Like, do they really need this? No, no it's definitely out there. The it's it's not going to happen. It's just someone tossed no. it out there. Uh, as there's always ideas to improve, you know, I fan love interaction. It. I love it. <laughs> So, Danny. All right, out of the box. Yeah. Last topic here. How'd you spend your offseason in the NFL? You kind of told us before, but how'd you spend your offseasons? So, I would get as fast as I could. Literally, like, my car would be packed and running as soon as the game was over. (laughs) I'd be in the car driving to South Florida. I'd take off a few weeks, and then I'd start lifting weights in the morning. And I would play golf in the afternoon. Like that was my off off season schedule. (laughs) No, (laughs) that was it. No grad school, nothing like that. No, unfortunately. (laughs) Chiefs lineman Laurent DuVernay Tardif spends his time finishing medical school in the offseason. It's something to be proud of, and rightfully so. Tardif wants to eventually add the suffix MD for doctor to the back of his jersey. How will the league spoil this one, Danny? (laughs) I love this. I think the NFL will let him do it. I think they need a win. They need a PR win. It's been brutal for them. I think they let him do it. That would be great. I support it. It's funny to me. It's like, I'd I'd absolutely, if I spent all that money and time getting that degree, I'd put it on there too. I wouldn't even care. I'd put it in Sharpie if they wouldn't let me do it officially. (laughs) Needless to say, he would become the first active MD in the NFL. It like, it reminds me of the guy who like someone says, Oh, Hey, Mr. Bell. And you're like, doctor, Dr. Bell. Bell. Thank you. I like the ring of that. (laughs) I like the ring of that. I could see him in a press conference after the game, like everybody having to refer to him as doctor, all the media members. That'd be fantastic. (laughs) I would love that. All right. It's Friday. So let's do some, uh, some five-star Q and a, our listener, our iTunes page, leave us a five-star review. And in that review, ask us a question. We are obligated to answer them. 
as you'll see from some of these. Some of them are off the wall, which are fun. We'd like those. Others, not so much. But Hannah, how's our how's our our list today? We got some good ones. Uh, we're starting things off in Snooze Fest City. <laughs> okay, so so Chief JC, he says, Raja, who's the biggest point guard you've seen in the NBA? <laughs> um, <laughs> biggest point guard. I mean, probably towards the end of his career, I was in Dallas. Scottie Pippen was playing for the Trailblazers, and he had morphed into like basically a point guard. Um, Damon Stoudemire was off the ball. Um, they had Bonzi, Rashid Wallace. Uh, yeah, so it would have been it would have been Scotty in his point guard role later in his career. About six seven, super long, really good defensively. All right, Bubba nine twenty said, "Raja, did you ever get to play with or against Jason Williams? And do you think he had the sickest handles of anyone you've seen? Sickest, the dopest handles. Um, yeah, I got to play against Jason Williams a lot in the NBA, and then you know he resided here in South Florida for a while." towards the end of his career. So we would play pickup games together a lot at Coral Gables High School and at, at Miami Senior High School. And, yeah, his his handles were dope. They were pretty sick. Um, he'd be right up there at the top of the list. Not just his handles, but the creativity. Like, a lot of people have great handles, but they don't have, like, that beautiful mind, so to speak, about the way they're going to use the handles. And he was just super creative. So, yeah, definitely one of the best. Him or Kyrie right now? Ky- Kyrie's a magician. Like, uh, hmm. Jay Will had maybe more, like, and one mixtape to his game, like, but Kyrie is a magician with the ball. All right, from Andy Socks. Like, I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Since Raja doesn't care for Gronk, who would win a boxing match between the two? Oh. This one, I want to be front row center with some popcorn <laughs> if this goes down, and I would put all of my money on Raja. Um, are we, like, are we, is this, like, is this all no holds barred, or are we boxing, or like is you're this, boxing? I'm boxing. Who would win in a boxing match between the two? Is the question from Andy Sox. Oh, that's tough. That's a big boy, man. What is he? Two fifty <clears throat> at least. Yeah. He, see, that's the thing. If the fight's tomorrow, yeah, I might have to take. Gronk, I, I, really? If you give just, you like six months to bulk up, yeah. and get ready for it. I think you could outsmart him. Too. That, well, like, I think you'd have some strategy. See, that's the thing, right? Like I, I'm with you in that. Like he's a big old boy, and I don't know if I want any problems with him six, right now. Six two sixty five. Six six. Yeah, he's 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 a big boy. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, say, like I might be like, hey Gronk, look, there's a girl over there, no shirt on. Like yeah. he turns his head, like, and then I just like, you know what I mean? A girl like he's eating a Tide Pod. Yeah, and he's like <laughs> out of there. I don't know. <laughs> Like he yeah. seems like the type of dude that would fall for a lot of like a lot of yeah a lot of definitely. silliness. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that visual! All right, from Kevin L from Middletown, he says, "Danny Raja, if you had to pick one achievement slash trophy when it came to sports, which would you choose? Also, what was your biggest critique by evaluators coming out of college?" Uh, Super Bowl trophy for me. That's the that's the ultimate the ultimate. I feel like uh, that's an easy answer. Yeah. yeah trophy yeah that's it's too easy what do you got Rob? yeah no i definitely I, I never got a ring and so that would be that would be pretty awesome biggest critique by evaluators coming out of college guys i don't know that i was two-part question i don't know that i was good enough to get a critique like <laughs> I, I really don't i wasn't on anybody's radar i didn't get to go to any pre-draft camps um now you gotta just fight gronk and we can I, critique you then that's it, right? <laughs> i chose my agent and this is a funny story he came and sat down with me after my senior season like we lost in in, in our conference tournament and he came up to me and he said, hey, look, man, I think, uh, you know, you're probably like the third or fourth best player in this tournament. And none of the other guys wanted to play in the NBA. But he, this is what he's telling me. He's like, you're like the third or fourth best player in the tournament. He's like, I, you know, I don't know that you'll ever play in the NBA, but I think you can make money playing in Europe. And so we'd like to represent you. And I really appreciated the honesty. Um, and, and like he wasn't trying to sell me a six for a nine. So I, I chose him. And that's where I was. There was nobody critiquing me. I just wasn't good enough. 
So mine were actually probably spot on because I've seen a couple of valuations of me. And it was all of them were kind of the same. It was like good, good leadership, um, you know, good, decent arm strength, probably a good backup short term starter, which was kind of exactly what I was. And a lot of them would say that the harshest critique would say product of the system. But they were right. Like I was a quarterback. It was only going to be as good as the players that were put around me. And when I was at Florida, it up because I had all these all I just put the ball in their hands and let them do all the work. So the evaluations of me coming out were actually pretty spot on. Uh, Duda, Duda, twenty six. Guys, you kind of already answered this question last week. He said for the show, who was Batman and who was Robin? <laughs> So Raja had oh, to leave last week. Raja so Danny answered. Raja didn't get it. What does Danny oh, say? You were uh, no, no, don't tell him. You got to answer it. You Danny answer definitely it. said he was Batman. <laughs> <laughs> that laugh doesn't indicate anything. Danny, Danny, <laughs> Danny definitely said he was Batman. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I got no problem being Robin. I got good. Diva, what Robin. would you be? It's all good. If this I'll is the Justice League, what are you? Yeah, we did. We did other. Uh, characters yeah but what, are, what did you say that you were i don't know you're definitely the guy in the cave that gets all the like you're the you're the like the you're the dude in the that makes all the equipment right oh, we're keeping batman. batman yeah oh we're going with different we're going <laughs> yeah, outside we're saying of any superhero oh any superhero i think we should just go straight you like the hulk or something <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh tweet at us at canel and bell yes. i like the hulk yeah which which superman what what i want to be someone which evil. character would we be i like that I like yeah that. that'd be a good one there's not enough yeah. women Dumb. Okay. From Mav Pitch, did either of y'all get pranked or did you prank any rookies? I know we've kind of answered this previously, so we can go quick on this one. No. Uh, it, it, not really pranked. I mean, they threw a bunch of popcorn in, uh, in, um, in, uh, Gerald Henderson's car when we were in, in, in Charlotte. He didn't really appreciate that. He, he That's took a good that one. Took pretty poorly. Um, but we, there weren't many big pranks. Like really The worst? The whole car. Oh, that's a great, that's it was a great a drive. I would love to go for a after that. <laughs> <Yes>. One <laughs> of the worst things that ever happened to me, I was so mad. It, don't, it didn't cost me that much time, but I was really ticked. Talking about car running, like when you're ready to leave, at the end of training camp, uh, you're always Jai, ready to go. I was, oh, yeah. I, that's why I was not a good pro. I'm telling you, I was ready to get out of there. But everybody is. You've been there for like three weeks. You've been mm-hmm. living in a dorm. You just want to get out of Dodge and get back to your normal life. Uh, so everybody's there, cars packed after practice, and I go get ready to leave, and I'm like, where are my keys? And one of the other dudes on the team, one of the backup quarterbacks, had stolen my keys and hidden them and would not tell me where they were, and I was getting so pissed because I just wanted to get on the road. And there's like a caravan of cars, and they're all going relatively fast, like probably over 100 to get back. But you kind of had this caravan, so you're kind of protected from the cops. And I wanted to get in that caravan, and I missed them, and I was so mad that I didn't have my keys. Like, I thought it was one of the cruelest things ever done to me, and it bothered me. I never liked the dude that did it. I used to be queen <laughs> of pranking. I want to break – like, I want to go back to those days. Yeah, what I happened? I to break the mold. <laughs> why, why I, don't, I used to prank everyone all the time. Y'all grow like, it? It was like my thing. Bring that back. I got to bring it back. All right. Also, yeah. what Netflix show are you guys currently watching? This is a two-part question from Mav Pitch. Ooh, Netflix shows. Um, you know what I started watching last night just because I had nothing to do? It was something about Frankenstein or something. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. How boring are you? No, 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 no. It was, it, it's, it's a, it's a show. Like they're, ch- they're, they're finding all these kids, like body parts all put together. Like it's a series, right? I just recently, I just recently finished watching Bloodline. Um, I watch oh, them all. Like, did I, you like Bloodline? I love Bloodline. 
all the way through three seasons, you're all the way through? No, I'm all the way through season two. I haven't finished season three yet. All right, so here's where I'm at with Bloodline. Yep. I'm watching the same show. Yep. And I've been traveling a lot. I am hating now because I want to finish it. And I like the first season I thought was decent. I thought it was a little bit slow, but it needed time. Second season, kind of the same. Now I'm so over it. I just want to see how it ends. <laughs> and I'm like getting more and more irritated at the different storylines. Like I feel like they were guaranteed two seasons and then they're like, ah, oh, we'll just come up with a third they season. They got bored. Which, you know, it's a popular show. So I am hate watching Bloodline right now. Hate so watching. I, I won't tell you. I won't give you any spoilers. Yo, Raja watching Frankenstein indicates that the <laughs> NBA is on All Star break. That's yes, what you know. Yes, yeah, yes, I have nothing true. to do. There, hey, Frontier is a good show too. I like that one on on. Uh, Ooh, Netflix. I don't know any Check of these shows. Yeah. Like I've never even heard of these. Some good shows. Well, there's Netflix. a zillion. There is a zillion to choose from. Yeah. Coach Snoop, watch that one with your boys. All right. It's good. All right. Um, Hondo Ao five. <laughs> Sorry, I can't. I don't know how to say. That's a hard one. Yeah. Uh, who's the person that has their laptop slash phone notification sound super loud so that we get to hear it at least once per episode when they get a message? Love the Debo. So it's Debo. Seventy-five percent me, twenty percent Danny, five percent Hannah. Okay, five percent me. That maybe happened like half a time once, maybe. Hey, I a little spoiler, a little mute. big news for the podcast. New studio coming. Ooh, ooh. So there's going to be some changes, there we and go. you won't hear notifications anymore. Yeah, you I won't promise. Hear anything nice. Our beautiful and angelic you, voices. You might actually, you might be able to see us, right? Maybe. Correct. That might that could be coming down the road. Maybe. All right, so we'll have a big announcement on that. Maybe. Uh, hopefully soon. All right. Last yeah. question from Zuzu Bell. How did Danny and Raja meet up and then develop the idea for the podcast? Second question. Also, where did you find <laughs> Devo and Hannah? Devo, <laughs> Bell Babe Devo. <laughs> <laughs> where did you, where did y'all find us? Tell me. I have no idea. Um, well, basically, Danny and I met. They thought I was so great that I needed like a sidekick, like Batman needed a Robin, and so then there was Danny. No, see, see. we didn't really meet. Like we got, we went. Like uh, our boss called me one day and he was like, "Hey, you want to go play golf with Danny?" Danny had just come over, um, and we like played around at golf, and you then were like Eureka, our names rhyme. They were great, right? That's perfect. No, well, didn't it go down like that? We were like next week. No, we were in the studio. Did. Yeah. It was basically an arranged marriage, and sometimes if you talk to people in arranged marriage, they actually are better than if you met and, like, organically tried mm -hmm. to get married, like, because they just work. And I feel like that's what's happened with that. Like, I feel like it just worked from the minute we started rehearsing, and thankfully our bosses saw that. So we just kind of hit it off. Like, I think our bosses said, hey, these guys have an interesting perspective, a couple of former players. Let's let them do it. And then, so far, knock on wood, it's worked out pretty good. So for, for Devo... So Devo, tell him tell him why you why we called you Debo and not Devo like the '80s band. That's because it's your, it's I, just, I love Friday so much. Yeah, and he's jacked, <laughs> like he's big, six five, two sixty. I've been trying to get him on the Bachelor since day one. I don't know if any girls listen, but they'd be interested. <laughs> Debo. No, his name is DeBerardinus. Yeah, right? that's Berardinus, and we we shorten that to Debo. That's it. And for Hannah, we saw Hannah. We because Hannah's been at CBS longer than I think any of us. And uh, we said, hey, let's get Hannah's voice on the show. And she's been great. So that was a no-brainer. No doubt. Right? Jupiter's yeah. finest. Jupiter's yeah. finest. Oh, that's what I've been waiting we for. Needed some, we needed somebody oh, to keep goodness. Tom Brady and Tiger Woods and every other great uh, athlete in check. Absolutely. So Hannah does that for yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> I preach the truth. All right. I think that wraps it up for our Thursday, special Thursday edition of Canel and Bell. Thanks for checking us out. Uh, make sure you go check us out on Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere there's podcasts, you can basically find us. Do us a favor and subscribe. Go to our iTunes page, leave us that five-star review, ask us a question like these ones. We had some fun ones today. That was pretty cool. 
And as always, follow us on at Canel and Bell on Twitter and Instagram, where Debo has been killing it, putting up some pretty funny videos lately. So check those out. And uh, thanks for checking us out. Everybody have a great weekend. <laughs>